Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? He is back after a brief hiatus. He had to psychoanalyze this, you know, completely abomination by the Mavericks last night where they lost 98 to 97 versus the Denver Nuggets. So many narratives to take away from this game. Christian Wood only playing 17 minutes off the bench, only attempting three field goals. Tim Hardaway Jr., 0 for 9 in 21 minutes. Reggie Bullock, 26 minutes, going 1 for 5. Josh Green taking his role down the stretch. And the Mavericks still have a complete and utter collapse of a game. Luka Doncic, there were points in this game where he looked like himself, and there were points in this game where there was just an excess of complaining to the refs and flailing on the ground. Just a really weird, obscure game here from the Mavericks. And I think, you know, it may not be the worst loss of the season, but in terms of fan contempt and how mad everybody is on Twitter, I think it might be the most invigorating loss of the season. We will be getting all into it here. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaren, so getting into it, we're going to segue right into this last little stretch of the game. I do not think by any means this is what lost the Mavericks the game, but I think it's something notable that we should definitely mention off the top of the pod in terms of things that went wrong last night. So at the 321-minute mark in the fourth quarter, Josh Green, who, of course, we will get into his game later, um, who he went six or seven on threes in this game, had a career-high 23 points. He subs in for Reggie Bullock, who was an effective non-contributor in this game, barring one three. He was a minus 25. He had the worst um, plus-minus in the box score for the Mavericks tonight. But uh, Jason Kidd finally defers, something we've been you know, really looking for him to do, something that he hasn't done since the Brooklyn game, puts Josh Green in for Reggie Bullock, rides with him down the stretch, knowing – you know, this is the guy that has the hot hand. I'm going to go with him for once. I'm not just going to, you know, keep my guys who were all my starters last year just because it's more comfortable, quote unquote, right? So he does that. And the, there's kind of just an offensive stall for a few minutes until, um, well, Dwight Powell, he gets a um, dunk off of a Luca pass at the uh, one minute 59 mark. Mavericks go up 97-93. Then we have a uh, Dinwiddie turnover into which Bones Highland's able to get fouled. He makes two out of two free throws. It's 95-97. And then, um, you know, Josh Green then misses his first three of the night, his first shot of the night outside of a free throw where he was essentially kind of wide open in the corner. I mean, he did get closed out on, but it was definitely still a something he could have knocked down. But, you know, he had made six threes up until that point, so we're not going to you know, go overboard on the shame train there. But, you know, you would have the uh, – I think the roof would have came off the arena if he knocked that one in. But then um, Jandre Jordan grabs his 15th rebound of the game. And Michael Porter Jr. 
um, is able to hit a three, you know, relatively towards the end of the shot clock, basically um, kind of getting draped all over by the defense. But, you know, when he gets in his sort of rhythm, he's able to just rise up over the top of guys with his, you know, 6'10 frame. I mean, he has that sort of KD type release point almost. And I mean, there were times last night where he looked really atrocious, but at the same time, he's a guy who can make some really difficult shots if need be. And that puts the Nuggets ahead 98-97. Dorian this misses a three on the other hand, on the other end. Um, then the Mavericks are able to force Contavious Caldwell Pope into this really long three from the left side wing in which it banks off the glass. Luca gets a rebound. Then um, it appears as if the Mavericks took a timeout before Luca dribbled the ball. But supposedly the ruling was that he simultaneously dribbled as the timeout was happening. So the Mavericks had to use another timeout to advance the ball up the court. And there was no sort of variety in terms of the Mavericks play that they ran. You know, this goes back to the Rick Carlisle days almost to an extent in terms of what you're doing with Luca in these late game scenarios, but and he catches the ball, you know, relatively um, a few feet above the top of the key and kind of just dribbles into this um, kind of just pull up, pull up slash step back three and, you know, relatively close hits back iron deflects off to Reggie Bullock who caught it in time, almost, or almost in time for, um, to uh, release a shot to a, you know, win the game from this like sort of mid-range area on the uh, right side. And, but he didn't really get the shot off on time and it didn't matter anyways, cause he missed it. So I just want to get your thoughts from the late game execution that the Mavericks had in this one before we divulge into some of these narratives in terms of what really lost the Mavericks this game. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Mavericks, I, I think it's simple to say they could have done better on these last possessions, but um, there was a point, I think, multiple times in this game, there should have been more clock on the shot clock than there actually was. Uh, and thus being that timeout, or I guess double timeout, whatever you want to call it, there's, I think there should have been like 6.3 or 6.4, and there ended up only being six, in which Luca got the ball at the top of the key, gets fouled with 3.7 left, and then pretty much the Mavs just have to throw it in at that point where he heaves up the shot that Will described. Um yeah, I mean, you know, there's 50 seconds there of just awkward time where the Mavericks are just playing really bad offense, just trying to force shots up. And we saw that Dorian three where he ended up going one of five from the field and one of four from three. And honestly, you know, I don't know why, because I guess it was just kind of ended up in his hands in the end of the shot clock. But I think that's a guy that you just pretty much take out of that play at that point. You know, he's having a, a rough night. Um, I mean, like, there's a lot of offensive – I guess, cues that this team is missing with these late fourth quarter. And I'm not saying, you know, the, the game was lost on this particular. I think there was a lot of events leading up to it. Uh, but thus being, you know, this should have been a winnable game. And honestly, with 50 seconds left, I think you expect a point, especially being up four points with, uh, what was it, like a minute left, and then they just get five quick points. Um, I think you expect a point there. But, yeah, it, like, you know, a, a tough finish, especially – I think the the Nuggets played this one well. I will give them credit. I think they played really well uh, down the stretch. But, yeah, just tough, I guess, execution by the Mavericks. Yeah, I don't even know if it's much as an indictment upon how good the Nuggets were down the stretch in terms of their ability to create offense as it was the Mavericks just kind of losing the game in a sense 
um, in that last little stretch because, I mean, they commit sort of, you know, a foul off a of Bones Highland attack, you know, whatever happens. Um, they force Caldwell Pope into a really difficult three where it was secure the rebound. Like they played, you know, seemingly they kind of played good defense down the stretch. That Porter Jr. three was heavily contested. The Mavericks just beat themselves in the foot. And it's something that we've seen time and time again this season. Um, I guess now that, you know, we've kind of backtracked there or, or now that we kind of, you know, went and looked forward at the end of the game, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's look at halftime. Um, so Luka Doncic has a three from the left wing um, where because it was a buzzer beater, it effectively gets reviewed just like all buzzer beaters do. And the referees found that he had stepped out of bounds. So they put two seconds back onto the clock and the Nuggets get uh, possession right before the third quarter starts after the teams had got back from halftime and they inbounded to Vlako Konchar, Luka's Slovenian running mate, and he drains a half-court shot. Obviously, you know, like, you know, Mass fans are going to argue that this and the end of the game were the reasons that we lost the game. I mean, maybe certain portions of the fan base. But at the end of the day, we need to recognize, obviously, the Mavericks did a lot more to lose this game than just those possessions. Now, obviously, those possessions don't help by any means. But, you know, in a game like this where so many guys, um, you know, just unable to step up, you can't um, indict essentially two little stretches and weird happenings to as to why the Mavericks lost this game. Like, it was really unfortunate. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like – I, I can't admit at least though that the uh, the halftime sequence was like at least kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, it was pretty frustrating. Like, it was, it was frustrating, but like it, I mean, you don't see half court shots like, especially in a scenario like that every day. And it's cool to see Conchar hit it, but obviously uh, frustrating nonetheless. So, um, but I will say though that that um, shot by Conchar I thought was a big momentum swing by the Nuggets because I think the Mavericks kind of had them in a stranglehold, ready to re really take yield of the situation come the third and fourth quarter. So do you think there's any credence to the fact that that was a momentum swing by the Nuggets when Contra hit that shot? No, I mean, without a doubt, you know, coming out of halftime, they played those two seconds. Like that that should have been two seconds that the Mavericks took into halftime with momentum. And then the Nuggets seemingly just, I guess, choked it out. Um, and really from there, it was just sort of a back and forth battle. Um, but yeah, you know, I do agree that that was a point where the Mavericks should have, uh, kind of taken over and it looked like they were. And then, you know, of course the series of events happened, steps out of bounds, whatever. Um, and then from there, it just kind of seemed like the Mavericks were playing with their heads down, not really focusing too much in the, and the Nuggets to their credit, you know, they were able to take advantage of it and they, as a team, you know, with their top three, I guess you can argue guys out, like they, they played a great team game. Uh, again, you know, to your point, like, I don't think they came up with much creativity, uh, again, only scoring 98 points. But with that being said, the Mavericks just played awful. Uh, like, I, I, I seriously, you know, I think there's some some positive takeaways, uh, but not enough clearly to beat up a pretty banged up or beat a pretty banged up Nuggets roster um, in which Bones Highland actually scored 29 points, a career high for him, too. So it was a career high for these uh or I guess, I guess Josh Green is a different draft class, but yeah. So like, honestly, you know, there's some positive takeaways, but with that being said, it was a huge major swing. I feel like. 
No, most definitely. And I want to get into um, just sort of how this game played out from the perspective of, you know, if we're looking at the game holistically and how um, some of these Mavericks fared in this game. Um, if, you know, given that first quarter, it, it was very even keel throughout most of the first quarter. Um, the Nuggets, I thought, did a way better job in terms of their timing on these Luka traps tonight. They sent them really early in that first game of the home and home. And I think that that gave him the ability to make the pass to the weak side corner wing a lot earlier, easier, or find the, the short roll man who can then, you know, segue the ball out for an easy three. You know, obviously Dwight Powell, Christian Wood, both of those guys I think do a really good job in terms of understanding how to pass out of the short roll. Um, but regardless, I thought that the Nuggets were able to mix up their variety in terms of the doubles that they were sending at Luca, like, you know, just kind of like throwing him off kilter. Um, and I, it started to definitely hamper him, especially at points in that first half. He didn't have a insane scoring first half, I believe. Like if we look at, um, you know, Luca after the first half, he had, let's see, he had 12 points on four of seven shooting and three turnovers. Um, you know, obviously the shooting was halfway decent, but he wasn't able to get to his spots as much from the, the Nuggets' ability to run him off uh, the perimeter. And you could tell that, you know, some of those turnovers were definitely starting to get in his head. He was constantly kind of running around flailing, you know, screaming at the refs, um, some of which was warranted. There were some, you know, missed calls in this game, but not to the degree that Luca was like really pining for. There was like one position in the third quarter where Bruce Brown on a post up got a very clean block on Luca, and he was still, uh, you know, neglected to get back on defense. This was a game where Luca's effort on defense wasn't as prominent as we've seen at other points in the season. I understand that the Nuggets have some dynamic um, guys that are able to get to the basket. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, their primary source of offense and Murray and Jokic are both out in this game. And, you know, guys like Bruce Brown or Contavious Caldwell-Pope are more tertiary guys in terms of their ability to run offense. That's not what you want them doing idealistically. And I think that they both of them didn't play as good as in that first Nuggets game because, you know, having to do that two games in a row for guys like that, that's a tough ask. Um, but there were points where Luca was, you know, guarding them. And, um, you know, when Luca got switched onto Bones, the Mavericks almost always sent a double, but rightfully so. You know, you want it the way he was playing. But I, I thought really it was indicative when Luca got switched onto, you know, Caldwell Pope or Bruce Brown, um, that, you know, he was kind of just on an island and he didn't really, you know, put up enough defensive effort against those guys and they were able to take advantage of him. Yeah, you know, I, I think Bruce Brown is traditionally like, especially in his time in Brooklyn, he's traditionally like this sort of hybrid big in a sense where he plays point guard but plays big at the same time. And honestly, he got some pretty wild buckets against the Mavericks, you know, just driving downhill, getting some easy layups uh, off of some pretty lackluster defense by Luka. Uh, so to your point, yeah, whenever Luka was switched onto Bones Highland, right, rightfully so, you know, they double – uh it up and try and get either dorian or reggie or josh green whoever it was on bones highland rather than luca um but yeah you know with that being said like luca did have a pretty nice i guess interception steal 
but other than that, like defensively, I didn't really see much out of Luca. Yeah, I talked about in that podcast when we played the Nuggets the other day that you weren't with me, just how sort of multifaceted this guy's become. I mean, he's, you know, essentially, but you know, turned himself into a you know third option as a ball handler at points and a guy who's reliable enough at times to knock down a three, you know, versus just being a sort of defensive minded you know, interesting, like six, four guy in the short role with that Nets team. So it's to see his evolution as a player and for the net, the nuggets to secure him on literally just the taxpayer middle of mid-level exception is an absolute steal for them. Um, you know, rougher night for him tonight, but he played 36 minutes and they asked a lot of him on defense and offense in this one. Uh, same with Caldwell Pope, you know, these are guys that are not one dimensional in terms of them being just strictly three and D players, but you obviously would love Murray and Jokic out there to relieve a lot of that offensive burden from them. And, you know, the fact that these guys didn't even really have good nights and the Mavericks still lost is even more so an indictment. Um, the Nuggets primary source of offense in this game was obviously Bones Highland who, you know, barring Josh Green, the Mavericks just did not have the foot speed to keep up with in this game. Um, the Nuggets ran a ton of, you know, screen and rolls at the top of the key for this guy. Um, they ran a, I mean, there were a lot of double screens. I mean, he, they were just hunting mismatches essentially with bones and Dorian Reggie. Um, they, they were hard pressed to be able to stay with him at times in this game. I mean, I thought, you know, both of them had their moments where they looked at least, um, I don't know what's the word. Um, uh, they looked, you know, adequate enough to defend him. But, you know, I really thought in this game that Josh Green was the only sort of guy who played any sort of defense when switched on to Bones Highland. I mean, he was able to torch essentially any other Maverick that was on him in this game, including Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway Jr., Luca, all of which I thought played pretty bad defense in this game. They were It was just blow by theater in this one. And, you know, I can't blame them from the perspective that Bones – is a really dynamic player in terms of, you know, using his speed and things of that nature. And, but, uh, you know, it's not like he was torching the Mavericks with threes. I mean, he did make three threes in this one, but a lot of it was just um, using his ability to get to the basket. And when you're not, when you don't have the foot speed to stay with some of those guys, you know, if Reggie or Dorian, for instance, doesn't have the foot speed to stay with some of those guys, you know, you have to make up with it and compensate with rim protection. And, you know, the only times, um, admittedly, that I actually thought that the Mavericks were um, had decent enough room protection out there was with JaVale McGee. This is a guy that played fairly good in that first game versus the Nuggets and, you know, only 11 minutes tonight. But I, I thought he, did, he was fairly active in terms of his ability to uh, defend the rim. He got challenged by um, Bruce Brown one play and he swatted the absolute, like, for lack of a better term, he swatted the shit out of the ball. And, um, you know, that that's just something we haven't really seen from him this season, the ability to like step up like that. So, I mean, he had, JaVale had a few like um, sort of non-effort. Well, not, I wouldn't even want to say non-effort. He had a few kind of just weird, lousy possessions as usual. But for the most part, I thought it was a positive game. I mean, he looked like he was engaged defensively. There was a play where he um, hedged on the uh, pick and roll and is kind of playing um, – and came up, I believe, this was a pick and roll between, I know DeAndre Jordan was 
going to be the um, finisher of the law, but I can't remember who the lead ball handler was. It was either Bones or Bruce Brown, but uh, needless to say, JaVale kind of played that middle area. Um, and once the law pass was finally thrown at the last second, he was able to effectively recover and swat it out of bounds. So those are some uh, really impressive plays by him. Uh, he just, like I said, he looked overall more engaged. Um, obviously, JaVale pointed to, to, um, to the Mavericks defensive scheme in terms of um, how switch heavy it is and having to come up on screens a lot more in terms of why he had defensive struggles persist throughout that first part of the season. And I think it has gone a little deeper than that. If we look on um, like Grant Afseth at DallasBasketball.com had a really good piece as to JaVale's defensive struggles. So I, I think there's more to it than just JaVale simply um, having to adjust to a new defensive scheme in the first time for the first time in his career. But needless to say, I thought he played pretty good last night in, you know, obviously only in his 11 minutes, but um, you know, in those, I thought he even hampered bones at times when he was getting into the lane, but when he wasn't out there um, barring that, I mean, it was just blow by theater and, you know, Maxi wasn't playing in this one with his lower back contusion still, of course. And I thought the Mavericks were essentially um, getting worked. But I mean, and they, they didn't really even play that bad of a defensive game. But, you know, when Bones was out there, um, I thought that that was that's where we can, you know, point the most blame at the Mavericks in terms of their defensive effort in this one. You know, particularly with those um, league guards in terms of Spencer, Luca and Tim just getting blown by instantly. Yeah. You know, Josh Green being the only guy that could guard Bones Highland last night with like Reggie Bullock essentially was just not there. Um, again, you mentioned beginning of the pod, he had a plus minus of minus 25 and honestly just awful defense. I think there's an argument to be made like this might've been his worst defense of showing. Um, but yeah, you know, Josh Green being the only guy that can really guard Bones Highland or even just for a matter of keeping up with him. Uh, and the Nuggets knew it and they, you know, they got the switch and whether, like you said, it was Dorian Spencer or Luca, you know, or Tim for that matter, you know, it didn't matter who was on Bones besides Josh Green. Like, it it seemed like jo or Bones Highland just pretty much got to wherever he needed to be uh, as soon as Josh Green had switched off of him. And with that being said, you know, I think that this speaks to a personnel level. You know, Reggie, you you look at Reggie as that primary ball defender and – Point of attack defender. Yeah, point of attack defender. And he just wasn't there tonight. He hasn't been there, you can make an argument, consistently all season. Um and, you know, there's personnel issues, especially with that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you know, Josh Green, again, I mean, a great night, of course. And really, just from the get-go, you know, uh, I, I would be interested to see what kind of effect he had on Bones Highland just in stats on this game alone. Uh, I know, like, there's no really way we can pull that up. Um, but, yeah, you know, Josh Green seemingly was the only guy that could defend Bones Highland, who ended up with a 29-point career-high game. Yeah, um, and let's let's go ahead and get to Josh Green. Possibly really the lone positive outside of Davis Bertans in this game. Um, shout out to Davis because he only played 14 minutes, most of that coming within the second quarter, but he came in and gave the Mavericks a huge spark um, when Luca was getting trapped heavily, um, especially within that you know second quarter, and he was just it was just constant penetration and kick. The Nuggets were leaving Davis open. I mean, this is really his only second game that he's played and. I mean, he was just hitting everything from three. There was one kind of funky possession where Luca threw the ball out to the wing. And, you know, it's sort of an errant pass because he just didn't have the angle to execute it correctly. He didn't have the space. Um, but Davis caught it off the bounce and went to the rim and got an and one. 
Um, then he hit uh, four threes after that. I mean, he was, he was really shooting the thing. And I mean, that's all you can really ask from him. I mean, he was having to over foul um, because he was getting blown by so fast on defense and he played horrendously defensively. And he had like really one just huge dud of an offensive possession where um, he caught it off of a Josh Green pass when he was cutting and um, he got blocked when Devon Reed's hand was coming on the way down and Davis hadn't even jumped it. Um, but barring that, um, he had a really good game in this one and he was probably the only uh he was a second positive to Josh Green I mean seeing that Davis can still be you know an effective shooter on a team is something that will solicit hopefully some team's interest at some point I mean obviously he probably has more negative value than positive value just given his complete albatross of a contract but you know showing that he can come fill it up sometimes is needed and you know he might have more positive value than Tim Hardaway Jr. right now the way he's playing so um anyhow josh green tonight i mean his best game as a maverick in his career easily right oh without a doubt yeah um comes top in, to bottom yeah i mean he was shooting the ball with such confidence tonight i mean his shot has looked conf- more confident this year but there's just no sort of hesitation played 30 minutes tonight took reggie bullock's minutes down the stretch jason kid finally that might have been his only good decision in this game um and he has 23 points um hits a free throw um, there were, well, there was one play, I think his first basket of the game came off of a, um, Bones Highland closed out on him kind of errantly. And he just took him to the rim, bodied him, got a layup. The second, um, his, his only other layup in the game, barring this, he made six other threes, um, was off of a pin down that Dwight set at that, uh, weak side elbow. Josh Green comes flying off the screen. He's able to catch it on the run, finishes with the offhand on the, um, with the off leg or not, no. Um, yeah. Um, on the uh, left side of the basket with a little like right-handed floater type of shot. And, um, I'd love to see the Mavericks run more like, um, DHO actions and pin downs for Josh green because of his, um, of how fast he's moving, because I mean, he's been such an effective passer in those sort of instances. Um, and you know, if he's, you know, has the ability to score where he's coming off fast like that, um, that I think could be a calling card for him too, involving that with maybe some um, him taking some, you know, top of the three keys off, pin downs, um, uh, just coming off a screen, some pull-up stuff. Like they, they have some really interesting things that they can get into with him that, you know, he's just unlocking, you know, the precipice of his offensive game at the moment. You know, the peak for this guy is like maybe like Josh Hart levels where he can, you know, he can be, you know, involved in some of that tertiary playmaking at some point in his career. You know, maybe we not we don't see that this season, but I mean, the way he shot it last night was and played defense was huge for the Mavericks. And um, like we said, undoubtedly the best game of his career. Um, he was a plus thirteen last night. You know, obviously individual plus minus isn't everything. Even Reggie Bullock's minus twenty five isn't everything. But you know, that was. I mean, they were leaving him open and. I mean, he was getting, I mean, he was just shooting it, man. I mean, for, whether it be the corner or the wing, Josh Green was knocking down everything. I mean, that 6-3 he made, um, I mean, he was coming off of a, I don't know if he was coming off of a pin down at the top of the key or not, but I do remember that, I mean, I'd never seen him move off ball to hit a three like that. Oh, yeah. I no, mean, that, was, was that was running, insane. <laughs> he was running from wing to wing. 
Uh, I, I'd have to go back and look to see if there's a screen set for him or whatever. But I mean, it was like JJ Redick-esque. And I was like, there's no way he makes that like moving left off of, um, you know, Dinwiddie pass and he just drained it straight up. So, I mean, there were some, I mean, things that we would have never even seen from this guy in his first two years, he really came through tonight. And it's, it's a shame that the Mavericks wasted um, this good of a game by both him and Davis. Um, honestly, both of them, you know, some Davis, one of his best games as a Maverick and definitely Josh Green's best game as a Maverick, the Mavericks completely wasted, you know, what did, what did you think of those um, positives tonight? Yeah. I mean, da- let's start out with Davis Bertans. Let's get the elephant out of the room, out of the way. You know, I think what, this was his second, did he play in the first Denver game? Uh, he did. Okay. So this is, so, okay. This is his third game. He comes out and just absolutely rains threes. And I believe he checked into that second quarter and just took off from there. It was, it was a laser show. It was a Latvian laser show. Uh, and and getting weight on the broadcast was like, Davis seemingly didn't miss a shot until I think it was that third quarter. It was like third or fourth quarter. He took like his last three point attempt and missed. And then no, it was in the second quarter, and it was uh, oh, it was the second. Okay, he had made like three in a row, and then he oh, was yeah, that's wide right, open at the top right. of the yeah. key, and the house would have came down. If yeah, he made it, no, that's what he finally yeah. he might have missed one. Um, and honestly, uh, yeah, I mean, minus defensively, he picked up four really quick fouls. Oh yeah, uh, like that's that's why he didn't play more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but honestly, you know, Davis had a really good game. I like what you mentioned. You know, where hopefully his value picks up because of this, off of that atrocious contract and. Maybe the fact that he is, has higher value than Tim Hardaway Jr. is insane. Uh, but with that being said, let's get into Josh Green. Uh, I mean, like, you really can't describe it. Amazing game from Josh Green. Career high, 23 points. Scored more points than Luka Doncic. I, I wrote down at this point because I thought Luka was going to go off at some point. Uh, There's two points in that second quarter where Josh Green had more points than Luka. And then, of course, he finished the game with more points. I didn't think he'd score 23, to be honest. Um he just didn't miss, you know, Josh Green. I like what you mentioned. Uh, he attacked the hole and really thus creating these open shots for him later in the game, uh, or I guess throughout the game and Josh Green, you know, we all know, like, that's our big takeaway was even if he misses shots, he shoots it with confidence and it was all confidence tonight. And Josh Green had an amazing game uh, defensively and offensively. And then those two drives uh, where it was pretty much all <clears throat> pretty much all him, you know, coming off some screens, of course, but those looked intent. And that that free throw, or I guess the the drive that he got to the line with, I thought he was gonna dunk on DeAndre Jordan, which I thought it would have been only fitting to dunk on DeAndre Jordan, but he had like the speed to do so. And I don't know what happened, but he just like slowed down in midair and threw up, of course, a two in it. He got fouled and went one up two from the line. Um, but yeah, you know, and then to speak, well, I think it was in that third quarter where he came off that screen and just – it looked like a Steph Curry type three where coming off the screen and just pulls up. And that that was, you know, I I don't think you ever would see that from Josh Green and we saw it here tonight. No, exactly. Um, obviously, we wanted to hash out those two pauses in this game because it's not like it was devoid from any sort of uh, fun in this game. I mean, the way Reggie Bullock's playing right now, do you think that this warrants – the discussion for Josh Green to start more? Yes, of course. Well, okay, we'll, we'll say two and a half positives. I think uh, JaVale McGee was honestly kind of positive. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like it's irrefutable, like the way Josh is playing right now that 
there shouldn't be some sort of lineup out there that warrants him playing more than Reggie and starting and taking his role until Reggie's able to figure it out. I'm not saying take Reggie out of the rotation, but I mean, the split of minutes that Reggie was getting, I think Josh Green should get and vice versa. Oh, like, about, yeah. I mean, it's, it's only fair at this point. Like he's outplaying him even, even in games where Josh Green's shooting worse, he still does more for this team than Reggie. And I think that's where I draw the line. Um, the Mavericks uh, gave up 17 rebounds to former Maverick all-star DeAndre Jordan tonight. He played 34 rebound. Uh, no, oh my God. He played 34 minutes, um, of course, with Jokic out. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, he had those eight points in that first half. I thought the Mavericks did a fairly good job of, you know, limiting him and pick and roll. Um, because again, he was really um, because he was an easy release valve on a lot of those lobs in the first half. Um, but the Mavericks were able to really key in on that. I was hoping that that wasn't something that was going to hamper them all night, uh, given the, that, you know, if they weren't playing JaVale out there, they didn't have the size to match up with him. Um, but I want you to speak, I guess, really to Christian Wood and Dwight Powell's um, more so, I guess, Dwight Powell, because he played more in Christian Wood, um, their inability to, you know, effectively rebound in this game and how that limited the Mavericks as stretches. Yeah, you know, it's this weird sort of dynamicism where, you know, you have a guy like JaVale McGee and, you know, you're playing the DeAndre Jordans of the world. And not to say DeAndre Jordan is some amazing players. Honestly, played pretty terrible to start the season. And the last couple of seasons. Yeah, in a lot, well, yeah, in the last couple of seasons to add yeah. that. But, you know, even still, like, it doesn't really matter. As long as you pretty much have a big-bodied center up there, like, you have Dwight Powell down there. And not to, you know, harp on Dwight Powell as much, but this is, you know, personnel issues. Uh, and especially with the emergence of JaVale's, like, lack of start to the season – um it, it created a perfect game for you DeAndre Jordan he was able to capitalize uh again 17 rebounds and he played 34 minutes this game for an old ass dude to play 34 minutes I don't think he's ever played 34 minutes in these last like five seasons um but uh, props to him I mean he's able to do it um but yeah you know whenever JaVale was out there it kind of seemed like he was a little slowed down a little bit but as soon as Dwight Powell or Christian Wood was on him it kind of seemed like he was going right back to work and that's just you know having these smaller type centers, uh, or I don't even know if you want to call them a center, but having these smaller type bigs uh, really just creates this sort of power level where, you know, big guys like, like, again, like the DeAndre Jordans of the world are just able to dominate down low. I mean, yeah, they're just, I mean, especially in Christian Wood scenario, like DeAndre Jordan probably weighs like, he might outweigh him, but I don't know, like, I don't know. 40, I mean, pounds? DeAndre Jordan's looking a little big these days. Yeah, so. he's looking a little big these days. Like, I mean, he's... He's using that to his uh to his advantage on the offensive glass. And um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that that was a big indictment upon the Mavericks bigs in this game, just their inability to box out and rebound on a guy like DeAndre Jordan. And I mean, if you can't do it solely on him, you know, try to do it by committee. Um, the Mavericks high man and rebounds tonight was Luca with nine. Um, outside of that, nobody had above five, um, with Dwight Powell being that well, no, right. Christian Wood had yeah. seven. Uh, I didn't see that. Uh, but I mean in 17 minutes. Yeah, no, no that's <laughs> I mean he he's he's a better rebounder than Dwight Powell, let me tell you that much. But I mean, I still thought that Dwight Powell he just got effectively outplayed in this game by DeAndre Jordan and Dwight Powell looked horrendous defensively in this game. I think I do think Dwight Powell had a fairly good offensive game, you know, his chemistry with Luca in the pick and roll in terms of their his you know, his ability to just get to different spots within the restricted area, play that dunker spot. And um, 
you know, and in the pick and roll with Doncic so effectively um, is always going to be a strength of his game. And that, you know, there may be Dwight Powell games where he, you know, sometimes has duds on offense or isn't as good. But, I mean, more often than not, um, on that end, he's going to show up. It's, you know, the rebounding, the defense that we always harp on that, you know, obviously weren't good tonight. But that's not really something that we're going to blame on him because we know what we're getting out of him in terms of that aspect. Like, that's – we're not pedestrian to the fact that Dwight Powell plays like that, um, you know, defensively and rebounding. It's not – you know, it's not really an indictment on him in terms of his effort levels. It's just – you know, he's just shorter wingspan type of big, um, obviously isn't as big as some of these bigs. Um, you know, he has good foot speed and he can stay with threes and four sometimes, but um, his inability to flip his hips when he's guarding guards leads him to get blown by a lot. Um, and I mean, his you can see his wingspan at play a lot when guys are attacking the basket on him. He doesn't go up vertically as much as you'd like. I mean, it's just things like that. Like, I mean, those are just intangibles that you kind of either have or you don't. And it's not really an indictment upon Powell in terms of his inability or in terms of him just straight up lacking those things. I mean, it just is what it is. And, you know, it really was seen at a premium against, you know, old ass DeAndre Jordan tonight, unfortunately. <laughs> and, you know, that I guess is a great segue into our next discussion topic of a guy that really should have played more in um, instead of Powell tonight. Cause even if he didn't have the defensive um, ability that, um, I mean, even if, you know, you're still giving up the same thing defensively as with Dwight, um, I think this is a guy that could have at least rebounded more, um, took advantage of the mismatch of that is DeAndre Jordan when he was guarding him head up um, a lot more. You know, this guy played, he kind of mirrored those JaVale McGee minutes. They played together quite a bit in this game. Um, he really didn't have, I think, maybe only five minutes as the uh, lone big man in the game, but that's Christian Wood. A season low, 17 minutes for him, only took three shots. The Nuggets weren't doing anything different, and particularly in the minutes that DeAndre Jordan wasn't playing, there that's actually where Christian Wood got a fairly decent amount of his time, right? And they went to this small ball lineup where they'd have, you know, like Devon Reed playing four and like Vlaco Conchar at the five, a lineup where Christian Wood was just able to take advantage of mismatches at a premium in that first Nuggets game. I mean, in, in the Luka minutes, he was able to operate within the short role. He, his foot speed was too much for DeAndre Jordan in, those, in that first game. Um, I mean, he just was, you know, he, he was able to get seals underneath the basket, just shoot over guys. There was no reason as to, like, something that the Nuggets did that effectively took Wood out of this game. They didn't really guard him any differently than that first game. This seems more of a coaching thing. Uh, a negligence upon the Mavericks coaching staff and Jason Kidd to involve Christian Wood within the offense within this game. Um, you know, either that or you put it on the players, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie or Luka Doncic for not getting him the ball as much. And for what, you know, um, I guess his just unassertiveness is what maybe led Jason Kidd to not play him as much in this game. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, I just feel like he didn't get enough touches. I don't really feel like it was him deferring as much as, you know, the Mavericks just weren't involving him. So what were your thoughts on that? And what do you think is the uh, reason that he wasn't getting really any sort of involvement in the offense tonight? Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, there's no reason as to why he should have only played 17 minutes. And you you can make an argument, you know, he wasn't as assertive tonight. He passed up some open look threes, hesitated a little bit until the defender got there. Like, you can make those arguments and everything, but 
still, I mean, just the level of production that this guy brought in 17 minutes, uh, really just throughout the game, like uh, it was a lot better than some of these other guys, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. played 21 minutes. He played more minutes than uh, Christian Wood. And, you know, of course, the quotes after the game, which I think we'll acknowledge later in the podcast, but uh, like there's really no reason as to why you're not playing this guy more than at least 25 minutes a game uh, off the bench for that matter, too. And, you know, you can say, oh, well, he just didn't have a great game, blah, 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 whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, like this is just coming down to the coaching staff. Uh, Jason Kidd just refused to really play him uh, really in itself. Like and Christian Wood, you know, had some really good minutes in that last game with Luca. And we seemingly just didn't see any combination of those two in this game at all, offensively, at least. And it really spoke words. And I think had this guy been in a little more games, is it safe to say that the Mavericks probably would have won this game? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, if, if Christian Wood plays a few more minutes in this game. I, I think I, I mean, said I should have said minutes. I said games, my bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, if they just divert to him like a little bit on offense in this game, especially um, with how dry the Mavericks looked in some of those non-Luka minutes when Tim Hardaway Jr. was just unable to hit the broadside of a barn tonight and Spencer Dinwiddie um, was having a rough shooting night. I mean, he was getting to the rim fine, and he was honestly doing a very good job playmaking tonight. But Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, this was a, you know, I guess the – second out of three games where we saw his shooting regress a little bit. He had a good shooting game in that first Denver game. But then we go back to that Rockets game. You could tell he was burnt out. Maybe this is a case of that. I don't want to psychoanalyze that too much tonight. But nonetheless, you would have obviously loved to have seen him shoot the ball better. I'm still, I guess, on the optimist side in terms of his shooting not being like his shooting being better. This is obviously he points uh, to the the amount of catch and shoot opportunities he has and him being better off those and him never having played with this dynamic of a ball hand or his Luca is reasons as to why his shots going in more this year and his uh, latter half of the season last year when he played with the Mavericks. So I still think there's reason to be optimistic. Um, but, you know, obviously a rougher shooting night from him. And it's like, obviously like there's no really nothing to be said for how Tim Hardaway Jr. played in this game. I mean, you would have rather had, one of Frank Composite, Dio Penson, or Jaden Hardy, and in this game, Tim, Tim Hardaway Jr. effectively played the like one of the worst basketball games I've ever seen out of anybody that got over twenty minutes in a Dallas Mavericks game. Um, I mean, the fact that he was a plus eight in this game is bewildering to me. I, I don't know what sort of he, he by, had, by what metrics that NBA.com was. I, I, he had a decent defensive game. I know he had a steal. Uh, but like other than that, no, I mean, I, I thought he was getting blown by a lot. By uh, yeah, he like defensively one on one terrible, but yeah, like within a scheme, I thought yeah. he had a pretty decent game. The Mavericks did play a lot of matchup zone tonight, um, which I thought was an interesting choice. I don't, I didn't totally hate it because when you, you know, have a team in this Nuggets team that's missing their best two players, and you know, you know, matchup zone obviously is man-to-man at the point of attack and then zone elsewhere you know that that makes sense when you only have really one effective ball handler on the floor like a bones highland you can just basically key in on him and uh, provide help in the areas where you know he's trying to move the ball to or dribble to so I didn't totally hate that decision I think that's part of the reason the Mavericks were able to limit that uh you know both Porter Jr. and Bones at certain points of this game I mean yes they had good shooting like they had 
fairly good games, but there were times where the Mavericks I thought played really good defense in that first half. But, you know, in that second half, they seemingly kind of went away from that for whatever reason uh, a lot more, and they started playing a lot more man. And, you know, I think that Tim played decent in those minutes, but, you know, as soon as he got matched up man-to-man, like it was wraps, like you said. And, I mean, yeah, he made two free throws tonight. That was it. Just missed all the shots. Like he couldn't get anything going, you know, whether it be, you know, some of the three-point attempts he was taking were very emblematic of his, um, you know, when he had first got to Dallas and he was just jacking up everything. I mean, he had some just errant drives when he was trying to get to the hole. I mean, it was, it was just terrible. And um, to an extent, I mean, he, he cost the Mavericks this one more so, I think, really than anyone. Yeah, I mean, especially getting 21 more 21 minutes and four more minutes over Christian Wood. Like, this is – I don't really know what's going on inside the head of Jason Kidd or Jason Mid, but, uh, like, that, that's just inexcusable. Yeah. No, I mean, um, you know – and uh, I, I really don't know what else to harp on. Dorian Finney-Smith, he played 36 minutes. I thought he played decent defense, but it was, you know, I don't really expect Dorian to have a really good offensive game every night, but every other night I'd like to see it. He's had some games where he's played fairly well offensively recently. So a rough shooting night for him as, you know, had as a lot of people did have tonight. But it wasn't like, I don't know, it it wasn't really like insanely out of character for him. He still filled in on defense where he could. But, you know, you'd obviously like to see him bang some more shots in like that. Him and you can't have both him and Reggie not hit like that. That's a recipe to losing a game if both of those guys can't um, give you effectively anything. Um, I really don't know. I mean. Jeff Green got hurt early in this game. I think the Mavericks could have easily lost by more the way yeah. <laughs> he was playing. I mean, he, he was taking advantage of those Luka mismatches um, in that first game and was, you know, he's one of the only guys who on that Nuggets roster who kind of has the strength to be able to counter Luka. You know, the older guy actually has probably hit the gym a few times in his life compared to like Bones Highland. Um, but uh, he he was really bodying Luka in that, in that first matchup at certain points of the first half. And Nuggets could have even ran away with this a little more if he didn't. Um, I think he had a, a knee I injury. Think it was knee, yeah. yeah, in that, those first five minutes. So, unfortunately, I hope he gets better. Um, but, I mean, just what a complete <clears throat> asinine performance by the Dallas Mavericks. There's a lot of compelling narratives that are going to come up with this after this game. I think this is the game that really set the um, fake trade fire up on yeah, Mavs Twitter. <laughs> I mean, it's been prominent, but I think it's going to come even, it's about to come even waves, more so yeah. into fruition, um, especially with the way the Bang Bros are playing right now, the way Tim Hardaway Jr.'s played this season. I mean, has Tim Hardaway Jr. had more – I think he said maybe one, like, game where I came onto this podcast and was like, okay, Tim Hardaway Jr. had a good game. Uh, uh, two. Two. He, he had a 28-point performance and then, what, like a 24 or something like that the other yeah. like a few weeks ago? Yeah, but that 28-point performance was, you know, obviously – I mean, the season high, the, yes. old, the penultimate for Tim Hardaway Jr. And then was that against, follows that up with – What was the 28-point performance I think it was again? Houston. Yeah, it was Houston. Yeah. And that, I mean, in the Mavericks, that was another terrible loss. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, him having the performance like that in that game, like we didn't really take 
too much credence to what him and Christian Wood did in that game, just from the standpoint of how, you know, you lose to the worst team in the NBA. Okay. Like who the hell cares about counting stats, but I mean, sure. So yeah, if we're, if we're talking about that, I think then in the end, like another 16 point performance and a win, we'll count those as the two best Tim Hardaway junior games that we've had this season. But barring that, I mean, he's had 14 games of, Get well, me the get me the hell out of Dallas, basically, um, is what he's he's telling us with his play. Maybe not with his what he actually wants. And I, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's you know this is obviously topic for discussion for a bigger podcast. But this is what we this is our sort of sum of all fears. You know, the Mavericks are nine and seven to start this season. The nine they were nine and seven to start last season. This season by no means is lost. The Mavericks could still totally flip this on his head. This is not a doomsday scenario, but there is credence to the fact that this team does not have the assets, the personnel, and that they've hard struck themselves by some of the roster malpractice and mismanagement over the last couple of years to be able to have, you know, what they want to go after and get that second co-star next to Luca. They don't currently have it. They don't have a package to do that despite whatever picks they have. I mean, the, the Mavericks, I'd say a large majority of the contract matchers, the Mavericks can put in any sort of trade right now, given, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., Davis Bertans, Reggie, like these are all guys that are likely viewed as negative assets upon the league. And, you know, I'll keep doing my fake trade Fridays um, for those of y'all on Twitter um, that I'm sure some of you guys hate me for, especially with how um, not unfeasible some of those trades are um, from the at the naked eye to some of you at a first glance. Right. But uh, I'll continue to do that. But regardless, um, you know, it's hard to be able to gauge the value of some of these Mavericks guys, you know, like, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr. His money is declining year after year. So, you know, some people will point out, Oh, he has positive value, but you know, games like this just show you that like, you know, who really wants this guy on their team. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's really hard to gauge in terms of, um, what the Mavericks could do to improve this team on a large scale, like realistically. And, you know, like I mentioned this in one of those Maverick spaces about a week ago, like they're going to have to do some sort of disgruntled asset for disgruntled asset type thing. Like they did with the KP Dinwiddie trade last year, because this team just does not have much. They don't have much ways to improve the roster. And I mean, the lack of a third ball handler and another, um, capable defensive wing is really starting to show through in these games and a rim protector, something that we thought, you know, I mean, I know JaVale's playing better in these last two games, but even so, even if we get this JaVale McGee for the rest of the season, he's not the stopgap in terms of the rim protection on this team because he's not going to be able to play 30 minutes a night at his age. There's still a lack in terms of that area. And I mean, the, I mean, we've obviously went off on everybody and, you know, I think this is now the segment of the podcast that, you know, we have to really go off on Jason Kidd because, you know, obviously most of that is going to be more so an indictment upon the front office, Mark Cuban, Nico Harris, in terms of their inability to surround Luca with adequate personnel and talent on this roster. And, you know, we could have an 80 minute segment on that every single time we do a podcast um, in which the Mavericks lose a game, but, you know, in terms of fixable things, um, Christian Wood came out with a post-game quote last night, um, basically saying that he had asked Jason Kidd, and he's he's been pining to play more minutes, and you know, and it's just not coming into fruition for him for whatever reason. Do you think Jason Kidd has a vendetta against Christian Wood? Um, is there a disconnect between him and the front office? Like, what are the reasons that this is 
happening? I mean, has Christian Wood done, done something besides his, you know, his inability to <laughs> defend the rim, something that we really knew he wasn't, wasn't one of his strong suits coming in and his, you know, him slipping screens more so than setting hard screens. I mean, besides that, like, what's the reason for him only playing 17 minutes in a game like this? Yeah, you know, I mean, only playing 17 minutes a game, you have to bear some sort of questions. I don't really know if there's answers or if those questions are even feasible for that matter. But, um, I mean, the only thing that you can really think of is maybe there's some sort of off-the-court issue, which I, I'm not sure if that's the case. I don't know anybody close that could really report on that. Uh, that's in on the practices every day or whatever it may be. Um, but clearly like there's some sort of wall, some sort of, I guess, thing built in between these two guys, uh, whether it's just, you know, them not agreeing or, you know, whatever it may be, but it's clear like Christian Wood, especially in a game like this needs more minutes, uh, didn't get more minutes. I know he said he's been pining for more minutes. And then he came out with the, the ultimate quote that said, I'm just playing my role. The KP, um, the KP quote. Yeah, the KP quote yeah. said, I'm just playing my role. And I think that was a really good shot at uh, Jason Kidd. Um, I mean, is there really much else to say? Like th- this. I mean, if you're effectively giving up the same thing that you give up um, <laughs> on defense with Dwight Powell out there, why is he playing more than Christian Wood? Because Christian Wood gives you so much more offensively. I understand using Powell as a guy who can, you know, fill in minutes for Christian Wood. Um, Because obviously you can't play in the whole game. There's going to be times where you need Dwight Powell's um, energy and ability to roll hard to the rim when things get stalled out there. But um, when things start to stall out on offense out there, but I mean, it just makes no sense as to why he's playing less than him, playing less than Tim Hardaway Jr. It's just an ultimate show of stubbornness by Jason Kidd in terms of going with guys that he's more comfortable with, I, I assume. Um, versus going with the best fit for this team. I mean, sure, there may be an argument, oh, Dwight Powell hustles harder than Christian Wood. Yeah, I mean, maybe even some people can say he plays better defense. I mean, I'm not one of those in that camp, but I could see the argument, right? But at the end of the day, like, Christian Wood showed you that, especially in that first Nuggets matchup, but we're just talking strictly matchup dependent, that, you know, there's no reason they shouldn't have not went with him. And he didn't really prove anything different in this game. I didn't think he had a terrible defensive game. I mean, yes, he gave up the occasional gets beat off of a when he gets switched onto a smaller defender and, you know, isn't able to defend the rim. But, you know, he, he still had his moments defensively. I think he he had a few, like, really actually decent closeouts, something that I've been watching, kind of monitoring to see if he would get better at. Um, you know, it was a pretty average defensive game from him. I mean, there, there just didn't really see, like, there was much – credence as to why he wasn't involved in the I mean he didn't get into foul trouble didn't have a ton of turnovers and no turnovers actually just didn't seem like there was much credence to why he wasn't involved in the offense or didn't play more than 17 minutes yeah I mean again I mean there's like very little things you can pick apart about that game he passed up some open threes uh really all for that matter that's about it um and again you know let the occasional uh smaller defender just blow past him but again like like you said, like there's really no excuse as to why he only played 17 minutes and Dwight Powell. And granted, I mean, I don't think Dwight Powell had a bad night offensively, uh, but still, you know, Dwight Powell getting, I guess, more of an offensive production than Christian Wood. And it's not Christian Wood. I think that it was just how the, the kind of how the Mavericks set it up tonight. Uh, it, 
Like I, I liked what you mentioned, you know, strictly matchup dependent. This is a great game for Christian Wood, as we saw in the first matchup on Friday night. And, you know, we didn't see any of that play last night on uh, against the Nuggets again. And, and, you know, I just like I don't even know if it's again. I mean, it's not I, I don't think it's Christian Wood. I think if this is more just coaching dependent or just putting sort of maybe a, mindset a premium, I, yeah, you know, I don't know what certain other players like <laughs> I mean it's it's not that he's Jason Kidd's writing with JaVale McGee because he was his guy in Los Angeles I mean most of their minutes they played together I mean it's just weird rotation mis- mismanagement and I think that given these sort of issues you know typically we're doing a lot of post-game podcasts um, we want to obviously get more involved with our midday and matinee mainstream series. Um, but I, I think that a game like this brings up some compelling narratives that, you know, obviously we just wanted to analyze this game in itself, but there's so much more to talk about. Um, given that there's two days in between games, we're, I think we're going to try to hash out a podcast before the next game, um, you know, just sort of psychoanalyzing um, the sort of state, state of the team right now. Um, what maybe come up with some solutions to what the Mavericks have, maybe throw some, you know, fake trades out there, really tap into some of the intricacies of what's going wrong with this team. That's definitely something I think that we are, we'd both be inclined to do given that how big the Mavericks struggles are right now. This is a huge stretch in the season coming up here and um, we're going to have to see how it plays out. But um, while, like I said, maybe not the worst loss of the season, but the most depressing loss of the season I think is, safe to say. Um, but barring that, um, really enjoyed this podcast. Thought there was a lot of provocative discussion points that we can really get into, uh, later on. And, uh, we appreciate you guys for listening to this. Um, if you've listened this far in, make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs, uh, subscribe to us on Apple podcasts and Spotify or Google podcasts, wherever you get podcasts, we will be there. Um, but barring that, if you don't have anything else, Jaren, um, We will see you guys in the next one on Wednesday where the Mavericks are going to play Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics. Jaron always has the next game. I always have the next game. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Other than that, I don't have anything. All right. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.